0: All right. Welcome back to our next edition of Sounds of the Session. This is the part where we profile different legislators who are going into a session and hear their thoughts on what to expect this year. And I'm pleased to be joined today by my good friend and a a good uh, legislative leader, Ray Garofalo. Uh, He is the chairman of the House Education Committee, and he's been... Very active, not only in education issues over the years, but also legal reform issues and economic development and a host of other things. Uh, Ray, uh, thanks for being here. Glad you joined us.
1: I'm glad to be here, Wags, and I appreciate the kind words, believe Abso- me. Absolutely, man.
0: Absolutely. How are you doing today? Doing very well. All right. So Ray just informed me that after this, he's going to take his wife out for a nice dinner tonight. So uh, it's good. You know, sessions coming up. You got to get some quality time with the family before it gets to 24 7 days, right?
1: No question. And the day that we both had the COVID injection, we're just b- both hoping that we feel well for dinner. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well,
0: through through good times and bad, sickness and health. That's what they say, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, you got that going for you. Um, well, look, um, obviously, going into any session, there's always going to be tough issues, easy issues, a mix of all that. But there's no doubt that. The last year has been a pandemic year in a lot of different ways. And, you know, businesses have felt it, governments felt it. But obviously our our schools and the children and the students and the teachers and the parents, you know, the education system. um, There's been a lot of disruption over the last year or so. Uh, We know that there's going to be learning loss, you know, with some of these kids who haven't had consistent schooling. Um, Give me a little bit of your perspective on what you're hearing, what you're thinking. What is the state of education um, in the last year and a half, in your opinion, uh, in Louisiana?
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head. Learning loss is one of the biggest issues that we're concerned about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working with Bessie and with the department to try to make sure that we're still assessing. We don't want to, as the general trend has been with some of the bills that we passed, we don't want to penalize the students nope. both in K-12 through 12 and higher ed because of an issue that wasn't their fault. Right. But at the same time, we have to know where they are. So we don't want to stop the assessments. We're definitely going to move forward with the assessments as we find out where they are, how much learning loss they've actually experienced. That'll help us to bring them in and and try to focus in on those areas where they're deficient. Um, That's one of the bigger areas, I think, that we're concerned about. I'm sure when uh, Dr. Brumley was here speaking to you, he's talked about the new reading initiative that he has. Mm We're seeing, um, particularly in, I think it's uh, K through second grade, that we have very little assessment data at this point. Mm-hmm. So his, um, not his, not his agenda, but his focus has been trying to find a way to evaluate those K through second graders to find out exactly where they are with reading. And that's all part of this now learning loss from covid and we're trying to bring all of that together and uh, do some more assessment on those K through, uh, to, uh, actually it's pre-K through second graders to find out where they are with, with read, their reading skills. And once we know that, we'll be able to focus in, as I said, on trying to bring them up to speed, because we all know that you have to be able to read to learn. And we're having a lot of students that are reaching the fourth grade and they're not able to read sufficiently. And if they can't read sufficiently, they have a lot of trouble learning. And that's the focus that, that they shared with me and that I agree that we should be uh, focusing, in on, focusing in on. And, of course, we all know that the more you can read, the more you can learn, the better you have at a, a good chance in life and getting a good job. And you guys are always concerned about workforce. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, uh, all, I think all of that works together. It all dovetails. And when you can bring that together and bring our students to the place where they need to be education-wise – I think it's going to be a lot better for the state and a lot better for them in life.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said in many ways. You know, it's amazing. We talk to our employers about workforce issues. First thing you think about is like these technical welding and all that stuff. But the truth is most employers say, look, give me someone who can read and write and be drug free and have good soft skills and I can make them work. And it is it gets down to those fundamentals. Reading and writing really is the name of the game. And. I'm really glad to hear you say why it's important for us to do assessments this year. And for those listening who may not know, that's testing, you know. So if you give a test to see where students are, and and traditionally in Louisiana, we've used those tests for a host of things, how to grade a school, how to grade a teacher's performance, et cetera. And I think you're right. You know, we need to do the test this year to see where students are, but also be understanding on the system itself that it's been a, a hectic year and use that data wisely to kind of develop that remediation plan. So I think you're spot on on that. Uh, You mentioned Superintendent Brumley. Um, He's also started right when this pandemic started, not not exactly the easiest time to take over the helm. Um, He also has an initiative where he's trying to kind of rebuild that junior, senior year and and get students to get more in technical training, have some of that dual enrollment opportunities. Um, It seems like a good idea. Do do you have any thoughts on kind of that initiative he's working on? You brought it up before I had a chance.
1: (laughs) Speaking with lobby, I mean, of course, we, we realize that that's a big part of workforce development. Yeah. And um, I think it was called distributive education Mm -hmm. when I was running for office. And that was one of the big issues that I ran on because I saw a movement where we were kind of moving away from that. Now, I was no expert in the area, but I do know that workforce requires trained students, trained graduates so that they can do all of the issues that are the the welding and the uh, process technology, everything that you just mentioned. So uh, I think it's a great idea, and I I know that I'm sure that Dr. Brumley gave you a lot more details, but the way he's explained it to me is we have a lot of seniors who have a lot of time on their hands. They may only be taking one or two courses during their senior year. So this makes total sense to me. I think it's giving the students a really good opportunity to graduate with a certificate that will allow them to get out and start making a meaningful income right away. We've had some pushback because sometimes some students look at that as a negative thing. Our two-year trade schools and mm-hmm. going in directly into a trade as something, you know, maybe we should be going for a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. But I really think it's giving them an opportunity. It's an opportunity to see different sides, different types of work, different ways to make a good living and a good income while not prohibiting them from going to a four-year school. They can always take that learning that they have from that two-year certificate and all of those extra courses that they've taken in high school and apply that toward a four-year degree. So to me, it's a win-win all the way around. It's giving our students a much better opportunity to succeed. It's supporting the workforce that we're working very hard to develop. And it's kind of bringing everything together, and, and I, I, I like to use the term dovetailing because mm-hmm. it all dovetails and it all works together. It's so
0: true, and look, you know, there was a time maybe a decade or two ago where, you know, our two-year system was still, you know, developing quality, I would say, um, but now I think you've got great two-year options in many regions throughout this state. I think they've done a good job. Monty and his team have done a really fantastic job there, and if you look at the states in the South that are succeeding on education, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, It is not uncommon for a kid to leave senior in high school, go to a two-year school, develop some baseline credentials, transfer to the four-year. And if you go look at who's graduating from Florida State or Texas A&M or UT or North Carolina, a lot of times they started in a two-year system and there's no shame to that. It's actually a badge of honor in many ways. And so I think we have to start replicating that if we want to take advantage of the of the different offerings we have in each region. So I'm glad he's pursuing that as well.
1: And I, I, before we move on too yeah, quickly, I just, I, I'd like to mention and, and give them a plug. I had an opportunity to tour Nunez Community College mm-hmm. in St. Bernard Parish yesterday. Spent about two and a half hours over there. It's amazing what they're doing. We've actually partnered with NASA and with I think it's Boeing. Don't it's one yep, of the one of the yep. aerospace providers at the Michoud Assembly Facility, which is in my district in New Orleans. Impressive facility. It's, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And actually, I I'm, I'm let me mis mis uh, fix what I just said. Um, it wasn't yesterday. I toured uh, that two days ago. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go see the test firing at Stennis. So and it all kind of it brought it all home for me. Yeah. Because you've we're, been in like space camp this. Yeah, movie, it really like has cool, been. Huh? Um, <laughs> But walking around the Nunes campus, seeing the facilities that they have over there, seeing some of the students, and they're actually out in the back welding things. And it was very – I needed that. I needed to see, you know, physically yeah. the, the facilities that they have. But it really helps you to, to, to figure, you know, and see what they're going through and what they have available. So uh, I just wanted to give them a little plug while you were saying that because I've seen it recently, and I, I think it's amazing what we're accomplishing and I know that it's just, we have a lot of the same uh, programs at all the other technical colleges in Louisiana. But uh, if you have an opportunity and you're out and about, go visit Nunez. I'm sure that Dr. Tinney would be glad to give you a tour around campus. You know, Canvas. you're a smart elected official and you're, and you're
0: pushing the hometown <laughs> school. I like that, man. That is, oh, that is good work you saying that. that yeah. That's well done. That's well done. And that facility is impressive. And, you know, it's, I love it when the two-year schools, the four-year schools, and the high schools – in a region are working together and trying to give those students an opportunity for the regional job-creating opportunities. And there's no doubt Stannis, Michaud, you know, have that type of um, those opportunities there. So it's it's super, super smart. Um, Okay, so we talked on the back end of the education, kind of that 11th, 12th grade year. Let's go back to the front end. There's obviously a big... Discussion about early education, how it's important, different ways to do it with a high quality, make sure the funding's there, etc. It's going to be a big issue again this year. What What are your thoughts on early education and what folks should expect on how that debate goes this year?
1: It all gets back to what we were talking about before, about primarily having the students ready to learn. Yeah, uh, I know that Cade, and I, I won't try to cite his numbers because um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I know that he is bringing some seed funding mm-hmm. into some of the programs, so the early reading programs. And we're also, I, I believe he's seeding some of the um, early ed. I, I don't know, I don't remember, recall what the, the exact term for it is, where they have, it's basically, it's daycare on steroids. Like where the Head Start programs. Yes. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah. And I, I, Head Start is a specific term, and I wasn't sure if that's the, the program that he's, he's sure. uh, funding. But to be able to Get the kids to where – the kids, the students to where they're at the point where they're ready to start learning. Mm-hmm. You know, th- simple things like knowing their colors, um, you know, no. being able to recognize books, whether or not they're ABCs. That's all part of the process. Plus we have the other and, – and I've been you know told by many of my colleagues, you know, we don't want to just have daycare on steroids. So right. that's not what this is. But that's a part of it because there are a lot of parents out there who are full-time workers mm-hmm. and they have trouble with – who's going to help, you know, who's going to take sure, care of the caps. Absolutely. And at that point, this program will, it fills both of those voids. And so it's a, it's a win-win on both, both uh, from both fronts. And the fact that Cade has some money, that the Department of Education has some money to help seed that. The governor has included some money in the executive budget and we're trying, we're fighting to the extent we can. I mean, we have a lot of competing interests, as you well know. Yeah, sure. Uh, but we're trying to find additional funding to Uh, promote these programs and help parents and uh, from both aspects, try to help get the kids ready to go and to let the parents go to work at the same time. There's such a ripple effect of
0: positive benefit on on those types of things. You you get a good program. Not only is that maybe single mom able to have the time to go and get an advanced degree to elevate her wages, but also that child can get an early education head start so they can succeed in school. I mean, it's a win-win. There's a huge ripple effect there, so it is smart. And the good news is we're talking about funding, I mean, obviously, the feds—they're just pumping out dollars left and right and dumping it on the states. I mean, so as a legislator, I mean, you're obviously—you're you, there's no doubt you're focused on education, but you're also a fiscal conservative. You're always mindful of being smart with taxpayers' money. How do you think you're going to be able to keep a close eye to make sure that those dollars flowing through the locals—they're going to the right, you know, solutions. They're making the right, you know, impact. Because I know that's always been a priority for you since you've been here. I mean, do you have a feel for how the legislature can be able to kind of get a lot of visibility on those dollars and make sure they're not being wasted?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm totally frank with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's a very complex, and again, you know oh, better know. than most. It's it's hard to. Very complex system. We've tried a lot of different ways to provide sunshine on that system. Yeah. Um, we're relying a lot on our fiscal fiscal office in in the house, and they do give us you know, quite a bit of data. But it's, this is an entirely different field. So, I, I, and not being on appropriations at all ever during my tenure here, uh, I'm not sure exactly about how all that works. But certainly, it's an issue. You hit the nail on the head that we ap- we're aware of. We're talking about already. We had our Republican retreat last week. We talked about a lot of that. Yeah. And we know that that's an issue that we have to watch. Now, I will tell you, working with the Department of Education, working with Dr. Brumley and his staff, I have a lot of faith and confidence in them. Um, I've been told by others who have been doing this longer than I have that they're breathing a breath of fresh air in so far as openness and transparency. And I believe in that. I believe the more sunshine you have on issues, the Amen. less. Opportunity there is to not do the right it's thing. It's the greatest disinfectant. Well, right? a I, I, sunshine. I agree, <laughs> and it, not to use another cliche, but absolutely. Why not? We're on a podcast. Why Why podcasts you're, you're are filled right with cliches, I, I, and I've heard that as well. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying not to. I'm, it takes I'm one to know one, right? Trying to get reformed, right? Re, 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 a cliche reformer. So, um, yes, we will be watching it. No question. Um, it's important to us, especially you know, I won't comment on what I think about what's going on in d c because that would take a whole nother podcast or two or three. I need a bottle of beer you, too. You, you, doing, well, yeah. that might help as well. <laughs> but, um you know the fact is that we're being blessed by this money coming into the state of Louisiana. And uh, we need to watch closely where it goes and make sure that it's going into the programs that we believe are a priority. And as policymakers, I I can promise you, I will be doing that. And I I, I speak to many of my colleagues, I'm sure that I can. Oh, Uh, I have no doubt about that. I know they're going to be doing the same thing. No doubt about that. And I'm sure that
0: lobby will be as well. We we will have inquiring minds as well. There's no doubt about that. Thank you. Thank
1: you for
0: that. One other question. I mean, you know, when you think about education in Louisiana, obviously, if you look at some of the national rankings, unfortunately, we're too low down on too many lists. And I don't think anyone's proud of that. And we know we have a lot of challenges that maybe other states don't have to deal with, but we got to find a way to overcome them. But the other side of that coin is, if you go all the way back to the days of like Mike Foster and Cecil Picard, and you go up the chain, there is like a very interesting, successful story of bipartisan, aggressive education reforms and policy wins. And Look, you've been a part of a lot of those. I've seen you in that building taking tough stands and making tough arguments and putting kids first year after year. And, you know, with term limits, there's not as many folks in the building like yourself that were around for a lot of those. And so give me a little bit of a perspective. You're a chairman of a committee that has emotional and very important issues that come all the time there. And some of your committee members may not have been through some of those battles or remember some of those, those tough votes and all that stuff. What is you, How do you view your role as chairman to to guide them through that, remind them of the tough road we've taken to now and, and why it's so important to continue on a reform-minded path? Well, walk through a little bit how you educate those members and catch them up to speed on on, on some of the history of, of bold reform policies and votes that we've had over the last couple of decades.
1: Great premise for a question. <laughs> um, and I've been struggling with that for a while no. um, because you can see once you get to a certain point and... I think it's different for different legislators, but you can see the detriment of term limits. And and Mm -hmm. I'm still strongly in favor of term limits. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to take this the wrong way. sure. But um, I I do know that when you have good, and I mean, I'm I'm using myself as an example, uh, when you have a good uh, legislator who's working on several reform issues in particular, it could be any issue, sometimes it takes, uh, I'll quote uh, former Senator Olerio, you know, the easy bills, they come out, the, the easy issues, they come out real quick. Yeah. The complex issues take years to pass. And I've seen some of my colleagues, former colleagues, they're gone and their issues may or may not come back. Mm -hmm. The good part of that is I'm seeing some really energetic, knowledgeable, caring um, new legislators that really aren't too worried about, as a lot of typical politicians are, they aren't too worried about you know, what this group or that group's going to care about or yeah. going to say about them, they're more worried about doing the right thing. That's encouraging to me because I can tell you, me coming in with a lot of former, before they were termed out legislators, yeah. a lot of the politics around here gets in the way of a, a lot of times. And, you know, of course, Lyndon Johnson was the one that was famous for saying, yeah, it's easy to do the right thing. The question is, what is the right thing? Right. Um, but you get to you get to see and, and you, yeah. you develop opinions. And, of course, a lot of that for me is based on my principles, conservative principles, and I'm not going to lose that. But there are a lot of times where there are multiple sides to a story. So to get back to your question, I I don't mean to be so verbose, but to get back to your question. Well, I just asked you like a five-minute question. Well, so, that's I mean, true. You are turning to my serve. Yeah. I, I do tend to, to <laughs> speak a little bit. Uh, I apologize for that. Preaching but to the choir. I have man, a lot that, to say. That's me too. So um, – I just do the best I can. You know, I talk to individuals. Um, I try not to do it in a group setting. If, if I can help it, I, I think it helps when you have an individual one-on-one or just a couple together. And I just try to let them know what I've seen, what my experiences have been. Uh, I think it's important with them coming in as a new legislator that they hear that experience. One of the things that, that's um, being in leadership, that's one of the things I've been working on with speakers before uh, Clay mm-hmm. and with Clay that we try to find a mentorship, a way to do mentorship programs so that you can have the new legislators link up with old legislators particularly. Well, and, and in addition to that, if a legislator has a good program or a good issue or a good proposal, policy issue that he's working on, we should have some type of a repository or a group or some type of a committee, so to speak. I don't like to use the, the dirty sure. word committee, right. but some group that takes those issues, those policy issues, those policy proposals, and they'll archive them, so so to speak, so that when new legislators come in, they may say, oh, I wanted to work on X, Y, or Z issue, and they can go to this committee or to this group and say, what's been done on this? You can go to staff now, but what I'm seeing right now, I've only been here 10 years. Mm -hmm. In my 10 years, a lot of experienced staff are now leaving. That's right. So, when you're le- losing experienced legislative staff and you're losing the experienced legislators, it's tough. You lose that continuity that's real important to. And a, a lot of what we do is, yeah, we have policies and rules and mm-hmm. laws in place, but a lot of it is tradition and, you know, uh, with the, and, and we lost Butch Spear. Mm-hmm. And his famous saying was, you know, that's not what we do. And, uh, okay, Butch, tell me what we do. Right, Butch is gone now. So, you know, unless you call him at home and he, tell, he said, Ray, don't call me. <laughs> um, and it, the, the long and the short of it is when you start losing some of that tradition and some of those uh, traditional ways of doing things, um, it's tough. And we do, we set the policy for the state. So it's a very yeah. important, it's a, a weighty thing for a legislator. And a lot of legislators don't get the big picture of that. Right when you do, you realize you're losing the continuity. So you ask a deep question, and I I'm love it. Gi- I, this know is like your- <laughs> pro- I know I'm a Dr. Phil podcast now. I love this. A deep answer. Tell me your <laughs> innermost <laughs> dreams, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be never mind. mind. Never yeah. mind. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> but but it's it is an issue that we have to address. There's no yeah. question about it. And I, I've made Clay aware aware of it, and I try to make my colleagues aware of it as well, because I don't know. You can kind of tell who the next wave of leaders are going to be. Sure. But it's an issue that is going to have to be tackled at some point. Yeah, you know, the term
0: limits, you know, the the double-sided coin, again, it's like you do bring fresh ideas. I do see the same type of energy and interest in tackling old problems with new ways. I, I love that about it. But when you lose, you know, some experience, it it's a little maybe messy, more messy sometimes because people don't know the rules of the road. I mean, I, I personally feel like um, – you know, the capital needs and infusion of new ideas all the time. And let's test some of those old, you know, theories. And let's always be willing to look ourselves in the mirror and try something new. So I like that about it. And when I see someone like you, I mean, I remember when you came in and you were part of a term limit crowd. And I think you have that, you're one of those those branch of people that now you have the experience of being in the building, but you still walk in every day saying, how can we do it better? And I've always liked that about how you approach things. I mean, last year we we passed legal reform and, It was Talbot's name on the bill the first time and Clay's name on the bill the second time. But you were a big piece uh, behind the scenes, offering amendments, other drafts, getting that thing done. And, um, you know, I think we need people like that who are willing to put in the sweat equity and the time to get stuff done, not necessarily worry about the scoreboard and the name on the top, just making sure they're doing their part. And I've always admired that about you.
1: I appreciate you saying that. And you're being very complimentary today I'm I'm blushing you You can't see it on the podcast but I'm I'm blushing (laughs) we'll Um, go video next time there you you go we'll do that Um, but you know a lot of the the, you and I'm going to explain things some of the sausage (laughs) making so to speak yeah a lot of being able to get those tough issues through is having even more uh, harder bills you know bills that bring more to the table that Mm -hmm. may work a little bit better but aren't as palatable to those who are objecting yeah and that was part of my strategy, and you worked with me on that. And I, I appreciate that effective you know, ha- strategy, yeah. ha- having your input on that. Sure. And you're right. Um, I, I know that I was a part of that, and it means a lot to me. But, you know, the glory is coming when I see a, a change made. And, yeah. and certainly we, we had some wins, no question about it. But that's all a strategy, as you well know, and didn't turn out to be my strategy. I was really hoping I'd get something through. Sure. But we, you know, were able to work together, as you said, and get it through. And a lot of that had to do with your leadership. And you and I were talking constantly during the, the, the issue. And you bring your not your CEO, a uh, C C. Uh, what was your position with with Bobby Jindal? Oh uh, God, it was chief a, of staff. I was a little bit of everything. Yeah. Swiss Army knife, yeah. Ch- right. Chief of staff right. experience with that, and now your um, director. <laughs> what is your position here, executive chief director? Chief janitor at they, lobby, they, they, it okay.
0: feels like like. Don't, don't, don't you think guys? I think that's well, what we reminds. all know who you are. Yeah. I mean,
1: so I apologize if I don't get your exact, oh, all title good, man. That, but you, you bring a wealth of experience to the table. And you. you know, a lot of that is on the political side. And I'm the first one to tell anybody I speak to, I'm not the best politician. You know, I'm here because I think the voters, Wait, are that, my- I want to stop you right there. That's a good thing. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, because you, you bring a real world experience to this. And I think there's a lot of this new term limited branch of legislators that probably don't view themselves as politician, they view themselves as just everyday Louisianans who signed up to make a difference. And I would not run from that that mantra. I would I would wear it like a badge of honor. And I think that's what's cool about this new branch of legislature. No, yes, they are not the old pros who can walk through the building blindfolded and know exactly where they're going. But they are people who bring a Main Street perspective to policymaking. And quite frankly, that has been missing in this Capitol for decades. And so um, I whatever, you know, missteps that happen because you don't have you know seasoned vets the what you gain from having people who are eager and ambitious to try new things absolutely
1: overwhelms the negative in my opinion so. right and i agree 100 percent. and that's why i try to maintain that yeah i mean i guess by the Mission nature, accomplished by the nature of what we do we were quote-unquote politicians but that's not has never been my focus you know my focus is always trying to do the right thing increase the quality of life for everybody in, in um I was going to say St. Bernard, but everybody in Louisiana, yeah. truly. I mean, it's it's important to me. And I think, you know, we're seeing more like me, especially when I'm talking to my mm-hmm. colleagues. Yeah. And I agree with you 100%. That's absolutely a good thing. And I hope that that continues.
0: Well, Ray Garfalo, call him a politician, call him a legislator, call him a chairman, call him what you want. but he's just, just don't just call a, me late for dinner. Just don't call him late for dinner because he's got to go meet his wife pretty soon to, to hit that date night. So, look, appreciate you coming in. Thanks absolutely. for what you do day in, day out. And I look forward to working with you this session to get some good stuff done.
1: We'll absolutely be doing that, and I appreciate you having me today.
0: All right. Well, that was Ray Garofalo of our latest edition of Sounds of the Session. Stay tuned for more as we battle the drums and get ready for the upcoming legislative session.